Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you along. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Nikki Rush. Nikki is a sales expert, a guru, if you like. And yeah, she's very kindly joined me today to focus on helping you win more sales in the area of HR, whether that be consulting or the tech world from recruitment, diversity and inclusion, employee engagement, etc. So Nikki, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah. And Boise, Idaho, beautiful part of the world. How's life there at the moment? It's beautiful. It's very foggy today, but I was hoping for more snow this year, but it's lovely. It's absolutely lovely. Very good. To give people context, I'm having a little trip down memory lane because I actually listened to your podcast and this is maybe the first time I've had a guest on where I'm already listening to the show, I feel like. So it's wonderful to have you along. Well, and it was a while you. back where you had a guest on, you were doing sort of a live coaching thing. She was from Northern Ireland somewhere, and that's only just down the road from me, really. So it was very good. So I'm really looking forward to it. What I was hoping to do is to dive into the sales call side of things. So the world's gone remote. Back when I was a consultant in the HR world, I'd have to trudge into a meeting and then you know, you'd want to get there early. So you'd go in and it'd be an half an hour drive or something, make sure you've got parking and then you get there early so you're not late for your meeting. So a one hour meeting tops might be three hours because you've got to get back out and all that kind of stuff. It's horrible. But these days, yeah, we're gone remote, we're on calls and so on. What I was hoping to do is get your advice on the flow, what to say, how to sort of the cadence, if you like, for running that sales meeting. So could you give us some context? What mindset should you go into that meeting with? And then how would you work through that meeting itself? What kind of milestones or steps would someone take? Okay. So the first thing from a mindset standpoint, I think it's really important that you go in from a place of curiosity. It's also important that you go in from a place of setting aside anything that's going to distract you from giving your full attention to the meeting. So I say curiosity because I want you to go in with the idea that your job is to ask questions and listen and understand what's the problem, what's the need, what's the want. And also to set aside any distractions and be really focused on the meeting so that you don't miss things, so that you don't talk about things that you think they want to know, but that's actually not what they're asking you for. So it allows you to be more flexible in your conversation and allow for a real conversation to happen when you can really pay attention to the other person because now you're not up in your head going like, wait, so I don't know, is the parking meter going to go off? Or, you know, like you're not worried about any of these other things. You're just really focused on the conversation that you're having. So that's the first thing from a mindset. And then as far as like the structure of the meeting, the first thing that you want to do is you want to pre-frame what the purpose of the meeting is. So a pre-frame, an example of that would be to say, thank you so much for taking this time to meet with me today. The objective is to find out a little bit more about what's going on in your organization and how my services might be a good fit. We're scheduled to chat for about, and then you give an amount of time. So if it's 30 minutes or an hour, whatever it is, if it's 20 minutes, doesn't matter what the time is, but make make sure you state it. And I'll tell you why here in a second. So you're going to say, so we're scheduled to chat for about 30 minutes. Does that still work in your schedule? 
wait, let them answer. Because the one thing you don't want is you don't want them up in their head going like, should I tell Nikki now that I actually only have 20 minutes, right? Like you don't want them wondering about what to bring up and then they can't actually pay attention to the conversation. So you check to make sure that that still works in their time frame. And then you say, now, in order for this meeting to be meaningful and productive for you, is it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? Because if you just launch into like, ah, oh, tell me everything you want to tell me, that can be a huge time suck. And if you're not strategic in that conversation, you might spend a lot of time hearing about things that they want to tell you, but it doesn't give you any time to set yourself up to talk about ways you might work together. Hmm. So you want to lead the meeting, but in order to lead the meeting, it's really important that you ask permission first. You don't just walk in and be like, hey, I've got some questions for you and I need mm -hmm. to ask these for you in order to put together a proposal because that's off-putting. Mm -hmm. But if you say, in order for this to be meaningful and productive, is it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? Absolutely. Now, I've never had anybody be like, no. Most people go like, yeah, sure, jump in. And then now it also sets the tone that this is going to be conversational. Yeah, no, I like that. And you hear these sort of terms such as micro yeses and things like that. That's not necessarily what that's mm -hmm. about. It's not trying to get them to say yes that they have this forward momentum. It's more around just building that trust and getting the framework. Is that right? Or Yeah, it's about building rapport. So everything I teach is built on the foundation of rapport. So we want to build rapport. We want to put the client at ease. When people are up in their heads or they're like, oh, this is just going to be another sales pitch or, oh, I don't know if this person's going to even, you know, care about what's going on or should I bring this up or that up? They're all up in their head and they're not really in the conversation. So we have to create safety at the very beginning of the meeting because when you create safety, and when I mean by safety, not like, you know, I'm going to hurt this person physically or anything like that, but more around like, here's what's going to happen. It allows people to kind of settle in. Now their mind's at ease and they're like, oh, okay, I know what's going to happen. They're going to ask me some questions. This is the format of the meeting versus like, so that can be awkward where like, who wants to talk first, yeah. right? So we don't want there to be any awkwardness. So it is creating that know, like, and trust, mm -hmm. creating safety, allowing kind of the, I always say like calm the waters as much as possible so that we can really be in a active conversation. Yeah. And a couple of things you mentioned in there, like the big one is the listening, going with the attitude that I'm listening first, talking second almost, because in a situation once where someone was selling a service and they were going on and on about how their key customer of theirs was a MasterCard, I think, let's call it that, for example. But they were talking to a company that was much smaller, similar industry, but you know they were tech startup in the financial services. All they heard was, that, yeah, we're really good with MasterCard. But they're going, that's Goliath, where, you know, David down here. So yeah. listening was probably required there because they were talking about the wrong thing. So that was one example. And the other one I liked what you mentioned there was about pre-framing it to say that the idea is that we're going to have a conversation so on to see if my services are a good fit. Because I think a lot of consultants in the HR world particularly, they would miss that bit. That'd be probably a bit too much of a, this is a free consultation. I'm going to give you some advice and see if I can help you. And then maybe one day you'll think to hire me. Do you ever see mm. that with you know your clients and the people you help? Yeah, it's one of those things like you want to be really careful about giving away free advice in those types of meetings. And there's a few reasons for it. I mean, I'm the first person who loves to coach. Like I love to give mm -hmm. advice. That's like my favorite thing to do is answer questions and give things that are going to, 
you know, help people make a difference. Mm -hmm. But what I know to be true is that if you give free advice in that meeting, one, it's oftentimes it's unsolicited. <laughs> like they haven't actually asked for your opinion yet. So it can come off a little condescending mm -hmm. or it can come off in the way of like, oh yeah, that's amazing. We didn't know that. Yeah. So we don't need to hire you now. Because they think like for you, you're giving them like one piece of advice. I always use this analogy. I would say like, imagine all of your expertise, all the things that you bring to a client and everything that you can help them with. It's like a big, beautiful beach that sits behind you. And it's like every resource that you have, every year of expertise, every story, it's like a grain of sand. And it makes up this big, beautiful beach and it sits right behind you. But you go into a meeting and you start offering advice. You're giving like grains of sand. Well, they don't know what sits behind you. They don't know about all, all your expertise. They don't know all that you bring to the table. So you give them a grain of sand. They think that's the beach. Why do they need to hire you now? But yet you know that that's actually not the beach and they need more than that one grain of sand. They need, you know, this piece and that piece and this piece. And then we start get to momentum. Then we can really make an impact in their business. So you want to be really careful about offering advice and offering free consultation. The other thing is, you know, people don't value what they don't pay for. So you might give the best like golden nugget, something that could absolutely change their business. Because they don't pay for it, they're less likely to implement it. And because they don't implement it, they get no results. Therefore, your advice doesn't work. <laughs> but that's not true, right? Your advice works when you implement, but people who pay, pay attention. Yeah. So we got to let them pay us money for the advice. So yeah. I do recommend for my clients to have a set list of questions that they're ready to ask. The questions are a really important piece. You can ask questions that sets you up and sets up in the mind of the potential buyer that you are an expert at what you do versus you feeling like I'm on a stage now and I have to like do my song and dance <laughs> to earn this person's business. So now you're over here like, I'm trying to convince you. I'm so good. I'm so good at this. I know this. I know that. That actually should never be the kind of, if you go into this mode, if you go into a meeting, like my job is to convince this person how good I am. So they'll hire me. No, the job is to understand, do they have a need? Do they have a want? Do they have some type of a desire for some change? And do you have a solution well, that will meet that need and that want? And your job is to ask really smart questions that leads people down the path to go and like, oh my gosh, Ben knows some things that yeah, I need yeah. to know. Yeah. And then they get interested in hearing about ways to work with you, ways to actually pay you money. Yeah, I completely agree. Just asking questions in the right way or the right types of questions can be far more convincing than giving a big sales pitch. Absolutely. Just the fact that you can demonstrate expertise in the question you ask. So I don't know if you're an employee engagement consultant, let's say, and you're going in there and talking to a company and you've just, you're asking about at the end of the process, do you find that the management team sometimes disagree with the findings from your survey? And now no normal person would know that sort of stuff, but you know it because you've done so many surveys, you've seen that, yeah, sometimes they disagree with what they have heard back. And so there's pushback and stuff, but just by weaving that into the question, they go, I think we could get some help here. How would you sort of transition from that opening phase into the actual asking of questions? Is there a particular question you recommend using or is there an approach you prefer to take? So one of the first questions that I love to ask, and I recommend this question in about 90% of every sales you know, meeting, is what's important to you in regards to 
insert contact. So in this case, so what's important to you this year in regards to your HR or what's important to you this year in regards to your company culture and how HR can impact that? It's a great question. And you wait and you let them answer. And then you write down their key phrases because those key phrases we're going to use when we propose back to them solutions because their words will always hold way more value. The way they frame things, the way they say things, it will always hold more value than anything you can say. It will have more influence. It'll actually convince people. Their words are more convincing than anything you could say. I like that. And then so they will give you some sort of answer and the intent is to then dive into more detail or to move on to the next phase, what would you advise? So I recommend getting through your set list of questions, get as many questions as you need to ask in order to understand what the biggest struggle is or what they're looking to solve. And then you can move. I actually teach this as a five-step process of the selling. I call it the selling staircase. So that's my five-step framework for a sales conversation. And so when we're in that consultation call, we're on step three, which is discovery. And so it's super important that you ask all the questions because if you ask a question, let them answer, and then you go into like pitch mode or sales mode, and then you try to ask another question, Mm -hmm. they answer, and then you go into pitch mode, sales Mm -hmm. mode again. What happens is, one, it's a huge time suck. You might not have all the information that you need in order to actually make a recommendation. So you're going to recommend this product or this solution or this service And then you ask the other question and you're like, oh, actually, they'd be a better fit for this. And then now you're recommending something else. And now you just muddy the waters. You overwhelm people. You'll take more time in those calls than really is necessary. And you'll often overwhelm people. And when people are overwhelmed, they don't make decisions. And when they don't make decisions, you don't earn the business. Absolutely. And what's your preferred approach or advised approach for transitioning to that pitch? sort of stage that you described? Yes, I like to ask permission before I move to pitch. So I would say, you know, after I get my set list of questions answered, I would say, now, based on what you've shared, I do have some ideas of ways that we could support your company. Would you be open to hearing about those now? Wait. So I'm asking permission. Because when they say yes to that, now they're ready to hear. They've essentially said, yeah, go ahead and sell to me now. So that's a good thing, right? So then you really stand in your place of credibility and your authority, and you recommend the best solution to meet their needs. And I want to make a distinction here. One of the mistakes people often make, one is they don't ask one of the most important questions in the discovery process because they're either afraid of the answer or they've convinced themselves that, oh, people will never give me the answer to this question, which isn't true. They forget to ask, what's your budget or what are you looking to invest? And because they don't ask that question, when they go into recommendation mode, they try to recommend what they think the customer will pay, but that's not your job. Your job is to recommend the solution that will meet their needs, solve Mm -hmm. their problem. So recommend what they need, not what you think they can afford. And if you're not asking that question about budget, then we need to have a call. I can help you figure out how to work that in because it's a huge waste of your time and theirs if you're pitching them something that is so outside of the realm of what they would invest in 
but it's not actually going to be the right solution for them. So all of those things are mismatches. Yeah. And I suspect some of those are fear driven that maybe they don't want to pitch off of the right service in terms of a higher price product or service. And then going back to your earlier thing about the free consultation stuff that sometimes it's a disservice to give away too much free information because in fact, they may not appreciate it. They might get it wrong, et cetera. But that may come from a fear thing of, oh gosh, I'm not here to sell. I'm here to help. So yeah, it's very, very important to feel confident in your own services and your own abilities and the fact that you can help and probably the old doctor analogy, right? That, yeah, look, here's the solution. This is probably the best thing for you to do. I could prescribe some vitamins for you, but it's not going to fix this situation. So you've got to go for the right solution for the right problem. Any advice for people who are feeling that fear and taking the right step in terms of the right level to go in it? Well, I think it's really important that you, again, stand in this place of credibility and authority, be willing to let the client then have whatever response they're going to have. I think one of the big mistakes that sales people often make in the sales process is they do two things. They project limiting beliefs onto the person they're in conversation with. They think, oh my gosh, Ben doesn't know me from Adam, so he's probably going to think I don't really know what I'm talking about. So I have to over-talk. I have to prove to him that I'm really knowledgeable. So they project limiting beliefs. And then the other big mistake is they hallucinate. They act as if they're mind readers. I don't know <laughs> if you've ever found yourself in one of these situations where somebody acts as if, I know what you're thinking, Ben. I know what you're going to say next. I know what you're going to ask next. <laughs> that can be a huge mistake because one, it's super off-putting. Most of us don't like for people to tell us, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're going to say. You know, It can be a little condescending. So we want to be really careful with that. So we don't want to project limiting beliefs and we don't want to hallucinate. We want to let people have their response. So if you recommend a solution for them and they go, yeah, that's not even really in the ballpark of what I was thinking. Then you can come back from a place of, well, tell me a little bit about what were you thinking? Be curious, ask questions. Yeah. But a lot of times we never even get to those parts of the conversation with people because we just word vomit all over them. We tell them a solution and then we go, let me know if you want to buy it. Well, that's not going to actually close the deal for you. So we have to understand what's going on for the person. What yeah. objections do they have? What questions do they need answered? Yeah. And a lot of times until you get to that final step in the selling staircase, which for me is the close, oftentimes you don't really know what the objection is yet because they don't know yet because they haven't been asked for their business yet. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a word that sort of keeps ringing around my brain from the sales maven podcast and or society it's about selling with kindness and to me kindness is around listening and wanting to listen and learn and help and not just in terms of helping with free information or low-priced information but helping with the right solution that will help them solve their problems so there's that kindness element to it how do you then transition to that closing phase and again that confidence issue and fear factor that people may have well, again, you have to really think about the sales conversation is for the client's benefit. Okay. So if you can approach it from the standpoint of like, it's not really about me, mm. it's about them and making sure I'm delivering at a high level for them. So one of the things when you get to the close, you have to remember that it is your job to guide and to earn the business. And when I say guide, that means you have to actually ask closing language. So we're in a sales conversation. I recommend the product for you. And then I have to follow up 
I'm going to say, you know, Ben, based on what we talked about, you know, my recommendation would be for you and I to do a strategy session together. And then I would ask, you know, would you be interested to hear about what a strategy session entails? Maybe you say yes. I tell you a little bit about it. And then I ask the closed question. I say, would you like to go ahead and get that scheduled? Now, if you say to me, great, then we schedule it. Now I've closed, I've closed that deal with you, yeah. right? But if you say, gosh, well, I'm still not sure about a strategy session. I have one more question. Great. I have to give you the opportunity to ask that question mm -hmm. in order to earn your business, right? So if I say instead, my recommendation would be a strategy session. Why don't you think about it, Ben, and you let me know, mm -hmm. which is what a lot of salespeople do because they chicken out at the end to ask that close. But what you don't realize is by me not asking for your business and by me saying, hey, let me know, or hey, I'll send you a proposal. You can look it over. I'm essentially saying, hey, I just added to your to-do list. <laughs> it's now your job to come back and pay me money when you're ready. No, that's not your job. You're the client. So my job is to make it super easy for you to make a decision. And one of the ways you make it easy for somebody to make a decision is you ask them a question. In this particular case, a closed question. It's going to be a yes or no, essentially. Now, it might be a yes or no and whatever comes next. But if you're not giving people the opportunity to make a decision to hire you, oftentimes they won't. And that's really just because our brains are taxed. We have decision fatigue. We're overwhelmed. We're tired. Our brains are lazy. <laughs> so if you don't ask somebody for their business, a lot of times they won't decide to hire you. And then the drawback, one, you've missed out on a client, but more importantly, they've missed out on getting the solution to the problem that they say they have. So your job is always to earn the business, and that means you have to ask for it. So I always say it, put it in the form of an invitation, because I think sometimes people think, well, if I ask for it and they say no, I feel rejected. But if you put it in the form of an invitation, most people send out invitations all the time. Maybe you have a dinner party or you have, have a block party for your neighborhood or whatever it could be. And you send out invitations. You don't get offended when people are like, gosh, it sounds great, but I'm busy. You don't go like, how dare you not come to my party? Because <sighs> it's just an invitation, right? So if you invite people to work with you and they decline, you don't have to take offense to it. You don't have to feel rejected by it. It's just not the right fit right now. That's okay. Move on. So how do you put that into words? I'd like to invite you to join or to start. How would you phrase that? So I put it in the form of a question. So if I actually want to use the word invitation, I actually use this quite a bit when I launch a new program or I'm sending out some type of a promotion to my email, I'll say, you're invited. You're invited to participate in such and such. I would say, is this something you'd like to go and get signed up for? That's right. the invitation. Because it's just a yes or no. It's just, do you want this? Yes or no. Yeah. I have to ask. I can't wait for the person to have to tell me that they want to sign up for something. Hmm. I actually had a, somebody say this to me years ago. I haven't told this story for a while. And I was so tickled by it because she came up to me at the end of a presentation I was giving about issuing invitations. And she came up and she said, yeah, I really liked your talk, Nikki, but you know, the difference between you and me, I think, is that I sell to adults. And so my brain is like, oh my gosh, what's she talking about? Who doesn't sell to adults? Like, you know, I'm trying to understand where she's coming from. So I'm getting really curious about this because I'm thinking like, who doesn't sell to adults? Like, why is she telling me she sells Ugh. to adults? And I said, that's so interesting. Tell me more about that. And she said, yeah, you know, 
if people want to hire me, they'll tell me. And I said, oh. oh, that's actually not true. They won't tell you. You have to ask them. And so she ended up becoming a client. She's actually still a client today. And it's probably been seven years now. She still works with me off and on when she's working on some new project or new launch for something. And she came back to me within a week and said, Nikki, I started inviting people to work with me. She's like, this has never happened to me before, but I signed up two new clients tonight at a networking meeting. And I was like, well, what happened? Like, what did you do? That's so awesome. And she's like, I just asked them. It's like, yeah, great. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing what happens when you ask, you get answers. Yeah. I remember when I first started business as an HR consultant a long, long time ago, and a friend invited me around to his house to meet his brother who ran an accountancy business so that maybe we could connect and I could help his clients. But I wouldn't even ask him about his own business, let alone, do you think you could help me? Or could I, I was just too shy. And we were just sort of dancing around the topic. And then eventually my friend just said, so are you guys going to talk about this or what? Yeah. Okay, please. But that's a long time ago and hopefully I've approved it a bit, but you're so right. There is that point where you've got to ask or make that invitation. And when people do it, they're often so surprised as you shared with your client, how easy it can be. It's not scary at all. There's no monsters that jump out of the cupboards. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, the thing about sales, I think a lot of times the biggest misconception in my opinion about sales is that people think sales is something that you're supposed to do to another person. (laughs) But I think sales is actually something you do with. Mm. And when you start approaching your sales conversations with this collaborative approach, this is a with conversation. You don't hold more power in the conversation than I do. And I don't hold more power in the conversation than you do. We're on equal footing here. We're establishing whether or not you have some type of a need. And if I have some type of a solution, and then I'm going to ask you if you'd like to buy it. And that's a very collaborative approach for selling. And it doesn't have to be scary. That's actually one of the things clients often come back and report when we first start working together. They're like, I'm actually really surprised at how easy this is. I'm like, yeah, it can be easy. It shouldn't feel hard. It shouldn't feel uncomfortable. And yes, there might be some nerves as you start to build your muscle as far as asking the right questions and framing things in the right way. But once you build that muscle, it just becomes part of how you have conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, as I start to wind up, I wanted to ask you one other thing, and that's around the sales maven society. So you've got a wonderful group together, and I'd love to ask you about what it is and who it is that you help and how you help. But leading into that, once upon a time, when you first launched into business, you probably were a consultant. You helped people one-to-one or however that worked. But How did you make that transition to a more group environment? Because people are wondering that with the move to the remote work, hybrid work, and so on, we're not dealing with clients face-to-face all the time so much. So there are people thinking about that group situation. Can you share your experience, why you made that move, and then also what is the Sales Maven Society? Yeah, I love this question. So just being really candid about this, the Sales Maven Society was formed as a result of me working with my clients one-on-one in a VIP situation. So a VIP program at the time for me was a three-month program. So it was like a three-month commitment to work with somebody. And a couple of my VIP clients approached me at an event and said, Nikki, we really want to keep working with you. And we both don't necessarily need like the VIP program again, but how can we stay engaged with you in some way? How can we continue to ask you questions, learn from you? as things come up in our business. And I was like, well, I don't really have anything right now. So let me think about this. And they're like, 
would you put together a program that's like monthly that we can come and ask questions? And the Sales Maven Society really was born out of clients asking for something. Nice. So I know that's not going to be the case for everybody that's listening. Maybe you want to start with a group program. I find in a consulting type business and the kind of coaching that I do, for me, I needed to build up some clientele first in order to move people into a group coaching yep. program. Now, the way the Sales Maven Society works is it still is a group coaching program, but you don't have to have been a VIP client to get real advantage from it. So a lot of my VIP clients still move from VIP to the Sales Maven Society because they want that continued support. But a lot of people come in as that's their first way of working with me. They want access to my trainings. They want access to me in a group setting to ask questions, get very tailored, specific, you know, sales coaching on their yeah. business. And yeah, so that's what I do now. And the yeah. Sales Maven Society is by far one of my most rewarding experiences in my business. I built it with this idea of just being there to support my clients ongoing but it's kind of taken on a life of its own. You know, everybody has built this own culture. It's a very supportive group. They support each other. Now I'm just kind of the, I'm still here as the sales coach and facilitator, but now it's got a life of its own, oh, which is that's amazing. Awesome. That's awesome. So for people listening to this, what is the Sales Maven Society? So it's a group coaching program where you get two live coaching calls a month with me. And so you get to come and ask your questions. There's a private group where you can post questions to me anytime throughout the week. And one of the big things that I do in there for my coaching clients, which I'm going to say this specifically because I have quite a few HR consulting companies that are in there. And so they'll go and say, hey, this situation just happened. I'm going to send this email to a client. Nikki, will you look at it before I send it? So I look at the message that they're about to send. Oftentimes I add tweaks to it. I'll actually rewrite it for them. So it's going to have more impact. So there's that piece of it. And then there's a training center piece where they get access to my fundamentals of sales trainings, plus a lot of other bonuses and stuff. But Fabulous. that's it. So it's a monthly program. And they're not all in Boise, Idaho, are they? They're all over the world, right? Yeah, I work with clients all around the world. So, yep, I have clients where you are. I actually have quite a few clients in Australia, which uh -huh. I know is where you're from. And yeah, all around the world. Very good. So where can people learn more and find out about the Sales Maven Society and your work? Well, thank you. I'm going to wrap this around a gift for your listeners, if that's okay. Oh, very kind. So I have an ebook. It's called Closing the Sale. And it talks about kind of the last three steps that we talked about today on the call. Some of that discovery stuff, how to pre-frame, gives you some suggestions on how to move to where you're asking permission to move into making the offer and then what to do next. And also what to do if a client says, I need to think about it, because that's a common response. Yeah. So it's called Closing the Sale. You can get it by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash better HR. So this is for your audience. I'd love to gift that to you. We'll then be connected. There's a place on my website where you can schedule a call to work with me. If you have questions about what's the best fit for you, what's the best program, or if you're looking for some one-on-one -on -one support, I can facilitate that for you as well. Excellent. So yeah, if you're listening to this on the go, check the show notes. So the link will be in there, but it's yoursalesmaven.com forward slash better HR. And as I said earlier, I'm already listening to the Sales Maven podcast. It's a great listen. Some good mix of guests and solo thought leadership stuff and coaching calls and stuff. So do check that out. But Nikki, I've learned a lot today and I'm sure our listeners have too. So thank you very much for sharing all your advice and insights today. Really appreciate it. 
Thank you for having me. I'm really grateful to have been here. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.